Welcome to Life O'Brien, dot, 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 Mannix, that is. You can tell by the clunking of the glass and the uh, the ice uh, hitting the <laughs> thing that our salubrious friend is uh, in the tropics. Uh, I'm in the uh, in the Arctic uh, zone of, uh, of, three, of, of postcode starting with three. Brian, of course, is in the tropical zone of postcode starting with four. My name's Kevin yes. Hillier. His name's Brian Mannix. Yes, and I'm not changing it for anyone. Fair enough. Well, but yeah. have changed postcodes. How is uh, life, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Life of Brian, Queensland. Well, eh? would you like the good news or the bad news? Well, uh, okay. Now I'm a I'm a big boy. I've got my big pants on. Uh, give me the bad news. No, I've got COVID. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I um, I think we got it. I got it. Because Scotty got it as well. I think we got it at our gig last Sunday. Ah. And, um, oh, gee whiz, it's really knocked me around a bit. I'm feeling not bad now. Was that a can you but, just opened while you were saying that? No, I'm drinking a scotch of water. And I didn't even have a <laughs> drink yesterday because oh, it just, I just felt so sick. You oh, know, if I walk 10 oh, feet, I'm more dizzy and I need to lie down. It was. Oh, okay. So you have got not, a, do- a decent dose of it. Yeah, like... Um, Oh, look, yeah, because I went, picked it up at the thing and then I went out with this girl on Tuesday night who, you know, I don't really know that well, but I gave her a disease first up. She's got COVID, so she must be really pleased with me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and, that's a flying yeah. start. <laughs> yeah, yes. Come out with me and get a disease. Yeah. It's not the one you think. It's going to be COVID. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, that's a, oh, bit of a bit of a bummer, but I'm feeling a lot better now. But um, it sort of comes in waves a little bit and the giddiness and the pain in the back of your neck and, you know, yeah, it hasn't been much fun. But, um, all right, well, look, you know, obviously I'm feeling better. I'm having a scotch of water. So okay. there you go. And, uh, and now the good news, which is brought to you by, of course, uh, Murcott's Driving Excellence. That's murcotts.edu.au. one 576 The good news is if you ring them and talk to them, you'll become a better driver. So let's now get the good Ooh. news from Mr Maddox. What's the good news? Well... The good news, it was kind of like a little bit of an omen, really, mm. in that yesterday I went to look at this place to buy and I went in and it was like, oh, my God, look at the view of the ocean. This is fantastic. Look at the view of the city. It's just like a dream penthouse. It's just fantastic. So I put a bit in for that and I'm thinking, gee whiz, it's, it's more money than I wanted to spend. But then as if the universe was telling me, go for it, Brian, Within an hour of leaving the joint, I get a message from um, Tim Henwood and um, and he says, uh, look, send me your bank details because we've got that advance from the record deal we got. And I go, oh, you beauty, so there's some money. And then about half an hour later, I check my emails and I've got this email from somebody that um, in Canberra and they want to use 50 years in some for some TV and radio promotion and um, – they're going to pay me and Ronnie quite handsomely for that. And I'm really excited about that because I can't wait to see what somebody else does with it, you know. I think it's – I've always thought it deserved a better singer than me. So that was good. It was almost like, say, okay, you're going to spend some money, but within an hour I'd made 
a lot yeah. to suggest that you go, well, okay, this is God telling me, go for it, go for it. Good so one. I put a bit, I put a bit in and um, I'm really, I'll be spewing if I don't get it. It's, it's, as I said, it's more than I want to spend, but it's a multi-million dollar view. You know, I can see the girls in the bikinis down at the bar and at the beach. It's just, you can see it. It's just right underneath you. It's fantastic. All right. So That's good. I'll, be, I'll be living the dream if I get it. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, so with the 50 years thing, is it going to be your version of it or is they, they just want to no. rejig it? They'll re-record it. No, okay. I don't think they want me to sing it. I think um, it'd be good to hear a girl sing it or it anybody else but me sing it. I think, you know, somebody with a bit more vocal range and talent than me would probably do a better job. I was only, you know, 22 or something when I sang it and... You know, I can sing it better now than I did then, but um, no, I really look forward to seeing what they do with it. Do you um, know what oh, be... what sort of, is it like a tourism ad? Is it like a, a you know superannuation it's, ad? Or it's it's for something that's celebrating their fifty years of some organisations celebrating fifty years or something. Okay, so which has always surprised me in the past because everybody's always talking about fifty years and nobody ever uses it. So. Yeah. This is the first time it's been picked up by a television and radio campaign and, gee whiz, oh, if this is the kind of money they're talking about, well, I'm just going to write take as many as years. you want. <laughs> yeah, it's called 100 years. <laughs> no, it's called, well, it'll be in 15 minutes perhaps. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what yeah. rhymes with 60? 60, bixty, kixty, fixty? No, we'll work on it. We'll work yeah. on it. It's and a- how's your week been, Kev? Oh, Terrific. <laughs> I, yeah. did, I did an ad for radio and television and that's about, about it. No, actually, I've had a good week. Uh, had uh, another good week on the radio uh, in Geelong uh, with the show down there oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, we've done some, some good work with our podcasting and stuff. So, no, I've, uh, I've had a, another good week. Enjoyed good it. Good for you. That's excellent. And it's all good news. It's all good news here on, uh, on Life of Brian because we've got two great guests. One is, an, well, oh. Oh, they're both actually icons of Australian music, I have to say. Yep. Uh, you yep. can't be a bad bloke if your first name's Kevin. So Kevin Johnson will join us to talk about um, uh, from our from our little new file that's building ever so slowly, but uh, but nicely. I love that song. I love that song. Rock and I roll. I gave you the best years of my life. What? Actually, last week you said this was our first episode of I Love That Song. It's actually our second or third, but anyway. Oh, okay. Sorry. Because we did uh, Open Your Heart and we did... Yeah, we did. Uh, G. Wayne Thomas, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm looking forward to it because yeah. he's, he's quite an interesting fella. Yeah, he is, and he's, uh, he's uh, doing interesting things and done interesting things and some of the people that have uh, recorded his songs will surprise you when we talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised, yes. but I'm always surprised. <laughs> That's true. I'm surprised right now. <laughs> uh, our first guest, though, is uh, a member of one of uh, the great Australian bands of all time. This band was such a huge influence on me and the X-Men. And I wanted to ask you that because you mentioned it in the interview when we talked to John Brewster from the Angels. What, what, yeah. was, what was that? Well, we loved the band for one thing, but the way they arranged their songs, like, you know, it was sort of, as Mark Opitz says, sort of sophisticated punk. And so we, when we started, we sort of, what would the Angels do? Like, I'd write a song or Ronnie would write a song and we play it like the Angels would, you uh-huh. know, with the bass player and the rhythm guitar going, dit, 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 and uh-huh. somebody else going, bam, bam, over the top. And um, as, as I think I say in the interview, I think I 
if you've got a new band, you're just young and stuff, have a listen to the Angels. It's a good way to learn to arrange your band because it's a very simple arrangement but very effective. Yep. All right, well, let's get to it. He's a good bloke, John Brewster. I uh, was sitting in a cafe in Adelaide and took a little time to have a chat to us about uh, all things to do with him and with the Angels. All right. I guess it's been pretty quiet over the last two years for you. Yes and no. Uh, we've done things. Uh, we did, uh, in December, we played with Adelaide Symphony Orchestra. We, we call that show Symphony of Angels. We've now done, uh, how many, we've done five of them now. Um, uh, we did the Opera House in Sydney. We did uh, QPAC Theatre in uh, Brisbane. What's it, uh, Hamer Hall, which is wonderful, in, in Melbourne. And uh, Festival Theatre with the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra and then Wadeville Showgrounds, outdoor show, uh, last December. So, so do you, you know, there's been a bit of stuff. So when you do the orchestra show, do you pick up an orchestra in Melbourne and pick up one in Sydney, or do you tour the the orchestra? Yeah, no, we pick them up. Um, yeah. The, the uh, Adelaide Symphony Orchestra, two shows we've done with them, they actually hired the band. The other ones we've got a promoter, um, right. uh, Dwayne, Dwayne McDonald, who does the uh, Red Hot Summers, and um, they've all been sell-out shows, so it's very exciting. It's all our songs. We walk on stage to a piece of my grandfather's symphony he wrote way back in the early 1900s, so that's uh, quite a, a goosebump moment for, for, for Rick and me in particular, and I guess my son Sam, who plays bass in the band these days. And Yeah, so, you know, we've, we've been able to do that. I've even done shows, Zoom calls. I've done three of those, some real estate conference <laughs> There are about a hundred little boxes of people in them and asking questions and me singing songs and stuff. And, you know, we've been able to do some govs here in Adelaide. So we've sort of kept our hand in. Plus, you know, we're, we're writing and recording new songs all the time too. So, yeah, we, we, as I say, we've kept our hand in basically. Oh, the the string thing did that was that something uh, an idea that you guys came up with because I mean uh, uh, for the average punter like me you know the angel songs and a symphony orchestra don't actually marry in the same congregation if you know what I mean yeah well I understand why you say that however having uh, said that we've got a range of songs that probably only fans are more aware of but um, yeah the answer, the simple answer to that is that marries perfectly. Uh, and if you, th- if you take a song like Take a Long Line, for example, you know, that's a pretty straight-ahead rock song. And until it gets to the solo, when the solo changes key, it goes through minor chords and, and uh, you know, that melody that Rick... We actually came up with that melody in the studio at about 4 o'clock in the morning. In those days, we used to stay up all night. Rick and me, we'd stay up in the studio coming up with ideas. And we sang that solo, you know. And then working with a symphony orchestra and... For Rick to play that solo with violins playing a harmony to it, it's just quite amazing. One of the things about the Angels guitar solos um, is, you know, they reckon uh, a good guitar solo is a song within a song. And mm. a lot of the Angels guitar solos are exactly that, in that you hear the solo and you can hum it and sing it. I think your solos have always been very clever in that respect. Oh, yeah, that's really... Lovely the way you put that, actually, and I, I, I agree. The, the Rick solos are absolutely brilliant, and you can walk down the street humming them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, of course, you know, between you and me, you know, I wouldn't know when to share this with other people, but, you know, you can't have those without a good rhythm guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm joking. No, um, I, think, I think you're 100% right. I think um, the rhythm guitarists are, are largely underestimated and, um, you know, yeah, you're right. The rhythm guitar is a really important part of the band and, um, <laughs> you know, Keith Richards is a, is a great, you know, he plays rhythm most of the time but um, what he plays is great. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, uh, fair enough. the thing is, too, we're brothers, you know, there's just something that happens between brothers. I mean, you, you look at Angus and Malcolm, who, of course, we spent, years with in the old days at Albert Studios and they're, they're sort of joined at the hip with the feel of what they do, etc. I mean, I say to people, it's a joke, you know, that Rick lives in Tasmania, I live here in South Australia and if I pick up a guitar and start playing it, Rick's just as likely to pick up a guitar and be playing in time with me. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> you know, I'm sure that's bullshit, but you know, uh, we, are, we, are very, uh, we are very connected musically. Just your, your musical background, John. The, the, I mean, you, you went electric kind of late in your in your musical career, really, didn't you? In terms of you started off with the the jug band type thing. Yeah, well, the Moonshine Jug and String Band was uh, just an idea I had with my friend Pete Thorpe. We were mad surfers in those days, and I had my old uh, my first car was an FJ Ute. We had the surfboard sticking out the back of that, and and we used to go to parties, and I'd take an acoustic guitar with me and sing Bob Dylan songs or occasional Beatles songs, something. And Pete turned to me and said, um, he said, Johnny, said, you know, when we go to these parties, he said, well, I'd like to play with you, you know, when you take your guitar. And I said, great, okay, what do you play? He said, well, I actually don't play anything. <laughs> I said, well, that's not a very good start. <laughs> and then we started to, <laughs> and we started talking about, we were, we loved Captain Matchbox, uh, yeah. the Whoopi band. They were just fantastic. And I said, well, why don't, why don't we do a junk band? And so this was just an idea for us just to have a bit of fun on the side, you know. And, you know, I was studying filmmaking at Flinders University. Rick was doing agricultural science at, at Adelaide University. And somehow or other that grew. Pete, Pete Thorpe picked up the, it was going to be a T-chest base, and he found this old wash tub, and he turned that into a wash tub base. And, uh, and but then we asked Rick to, to join us and, my brother Rick, and, and Rick at that stage had quite recently won the estate on classical piano. He, he was probably heading for a career as a classical, as a concert pianist, and I ma- managed to ruin his life by asking him to put, play in the jug band, and he played the washboard. <laughs> and he was a brilliant washboard player, still is. Um, and we were just doing that as a, a bit of fun, and the thing is, it became very successful. People loved it, and including us. Uh, Doc joined the band about a year in, and I wrote a song in, I think around remember the beginning of 1974, called Keep You On The Move. We recorded it here in Adelaide as a joke band, but really it was a rock song, and um, we had a bit of a hit with it, probably because Mum bought most of the records, but anyway, it went off the chart. <laughs> and I then went to Rick uh, and Doc, suggesting that we should, if we're going to be songwriters, we can't really be a jug band because that music is all sort of based on the 1920s, you know, um, even earlier you know, with some of the blues stuff from like the Memphis jug band, etc. So we didn't write very many original songs in that band. Uh, so I went to Rick and Rick had just got his degree as an agricultural scientist and I said to him, uh, I said, hey Rick, you know uh, that band Sherbet? And he said, yeah. I said, you know what, I reckon if we start a rock band, we could knock them off in 12 months. What do you reckon? He <laughs> turned to me and he said, yeah, okay. And that was it. He might as well have thrown that degree out the window. <laughs> um, 
And then I went to Doc, and it took me all night to talk him into it. Uh, we sat in my house, and I think he left about 9 o'clock in the morning, and by that time he said, yep, I'm in. Uh, and then we got into my old EH Holden station wagon and just spent four years driving around the country playing, you know, everything for peanuts and eventually, and that whole thing about knocking off Sherbet, I mean, that's, that wasn't really serious. It was, you know, Sherbet had their own uh, thing and, and I'll have a great regard for them. Um, but, um, but you know, in a way you had to have a target like that because back in those days, it was a wonderful time when you could play every night of the week. We did. We played every night of the week. Not necessarily great gigs, but we developed our sound and our our songwriting through playing live in front of people. Uh, and we were lucky we were able to do that. Brian, you can tell me the same story. You know, you've done it too. Well, yeah, and that was what was really good because the band gets really tight because you're playing so often. And um, I was actually interested to hear you say you were studying filmmaking um, because that was my ambition. I wanted to be a film director and... Um, I didn't get into Swinburne Film and Television and then so I killed the year and I was going to go back. But in that year, my band sort of kicked off and that was sort of the end of my film career. So were you hoping to be a film director? Was that your first goal? Yeah, uh, well, it kind of was, yeah. I was really enjoying it. I studied film and drama at Flinders Uni and uh, uh, there were people like Noni Hazelhurst were there. Doc, of course, Dick was there as well and um, Scott Hicks. Oh, yeah. Um, Scott Hicks is uh, Academy uh, Award winner. And, yeah. Yeah, amazing. He did quite well out of it, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was really um, the angels that killed all that. So, uh, happily, I'm happy to say that because we, we've had a pretty amazing career. We're 48 years in now and still loving it. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's been changes over the years. And very sad to lose Doc Neeson back in 2014 and... Chris Bailey, who was one of the best bass players I think this country's ever known. And um, uh, but life goes on, and we've got, you know, Dave Gleason's now been with the band for 11 years. Uh, my son Sam's been playing bass now for 10. And we've got a great drummer in Nick Norton. So, you know, we can I just, we're the old buggers that do what we've always done. <laughs> that, that sort of sense that you, you're the founding fathers of a whole generation of pub rock uh, in this country, does is, is that sit comfortably with you? Because it should. Well, we're really proud of, the, of, of what we achieved through all those pubs. Uh, you know, yeah, it's interesting, actually. It's a very interesting question because, you know, we're, we're always talked about as, you know, the great pub band and all that, but we actually did a lot of big concerts, a lot of things like Horton Pavilions and Festival Halls in Melbourne. And there was a lot of that going on as well. And also town halls, you know, like Balmain Town Hall, and, uh, Paddington, uh, Paddington Town Hall. There was a lot of that as well. Uh, but really what it was is represented a, a, an era where people just went out to see live music, in, whether it was a pub or a town hall or a, or a festival theatre or, or a festival hall or uh, it was just an amazing era of live music and so many great bands, you know. And, you know, we, we were really, I, I guess we are all quite competitive. Um, you know, we, we wanted to be number one, you know. And now now we go out there with, these, with all these Red Hot Summer shows with all these, you know, wonderful like James Wayne's on the still with us at the moment, Hunters and Collectors and the Baby Animals, etc. And we just all have, it's a, the camaraderie is sensational. 
No, it's great. Yeah. One of the good things about um, the Angels, I know when um, my band started, we played a lot of Angels songs, and um, it, your arrangements are really good. Like I often say to a young band, okay, if you're just starting out, have a listen to the Angels. So you got, you know, your oh, bass and your bass and your rhythm guitar playing eights, and then you got the other guitar sort of splashing power yeah. chords over the top, and it just gets really tight really quickly with the way you guys, you know, play your stuff. Well, thanks for the compliment. I, um, you know, the thing is that you know we're we're all kind of a byproduct of our influences, and um, we've got quite diverse in- influences in the Angels. My biggest influence is Bob Dylan, of all people, you know. And uh, but when we got together with Alberts and Harry Vanner and George Young, even though they didn't actually produce the uh, big breakthrough album Face to Face, we learnt so much from those guys. You know, George Young was one of the greatest inspirations of all time, in my opinion, uh, and, and Harry too, but George did a lot of the talking and he could inspire you just by, he'd just throw suggestions. He'd never tell us what we should do. He would just throw suggestions in. And in terms of uh, song arrangement, etc. he was a genius at that. So, you know, all that stuff rubs off, you know, your influences rub off and finally, you, you know, you end up finding your own sort of angle, your own sound. And that just came about through what you were saying, Brian, about you know, going out there and playing in front of people all the time, the band getting tighter. Uh, the song that started to do it for us, uh, where we all got excited, and said, we've, sound, we've found our sound, we found our angle, you know, was uh, I Ain't The One. I wrote that in a car. I didn't even have a guitar with me. I just wrote the thing and it came to me in my head and we recorded that and we all got excited. Because we were, oh, that's an ankle sound. Rick wrote Take a Long Line a couple of weeks later, and, of course, that was the big hit. Yeah. M- Mark Opitz um, produced that album, didn't he? And um, I think well, he we, told us Ma- that he'd been listening to Graham Parker the night before, and he thought to himself that, gee whiz, punk rock's got really sophisticated. And I think for me, for oh, him, yeah, yeah. That, that was a bit of an influence for him. And I think, you know, that in that in it was in those sessions with Mark that you sort of found your sound, really, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was a co-production. It was actually how that that happened was uh, Harry and George were producing us and they, the last one they produced was Coming Down On Me, which we put out as a single. We were hoping that would be the one that finally gets us somewhere, you know, through radio. And that one died in the arse too. And uh, uh, now, it's, of course, become one of our biggest songs. But yeah. at the time, uh, George and Harry asked Rick and me to go out into the hallway and... Uh, and, that, you know, I was absolutely pressed for them because they, George did the talking. He said, listen, we want to pull out of production with the band and get you two guys to produce and you can work with Mark Opitz. And, and I said, well, how do you do that? George said, don't worry, we're just down the hall, you know. He saw something developing in us. That's a, that's the genius of George Young. He, he didn't want to get in the way of what was developing already. So that yeah. relationship that developed in between the band the whole band, and in particular Rick and me, I guess, at the time, because we were writing a lot of that stuff. And and uh, and Mark Opitz was a very lovely, creative. And, and that talk about Graham Parker, I think I went to Graham Parker's show with Mark. Uh-huh. Um, we, yeah, we loved them. I mean, you know, Hey Lord, Don't Ask Me Questions, what a song. Yeah, wow. that's great. Yeah. And that whole period, I mean, music was everywhere, just, you know, I was just speaking to Mark two nights ago, actually, just doing a bit of reminiscing. Um, they were very special times. Yeah. Was it face-to-face that George did some backup vocals on a track or two? 
Um, yeah, actually, well, it's actually No Exit. If you listen to No Exit, song Out of the Blue, but and it goes, bang, bang, out of the blue. It, you can hear a voice go, up in the falsetto. That's George. <laughs> George, George always managed to find something to do. Yeah. yeah. So, how did yeah. the crowd? When did when did the "Am I ever going to see your face again?" turn into what it's turned into? When did that happen, and how did that happen? We don't know. Um, no <laughs> idea. Uh, the, the first time that we were aware of it was when we played Mount Isa. It was the first time we'd ever played Mount Isa, and I think it was in either '82 or '83. And we'd actually dropped that song from the repertoire because, yeah, you know, it was our first single. It wasn't successful at the time. Uh-huh. It's now become huge, but um, so we're playing Mount Isa, and there were like three and a half thousand people in the big town hall. There, they kept hollering out for encore songs. Um, so we did a couple of encores, and they still no one would leave. So somebody said in the best room, well, "What do we? Uh, what do we play face again?" We hadn't played it for about three years, and um, wow. so we went out and did that. And that three and a half thousand people chanted that. Uh, now famous chant, <laughs> and we nearly fell over. We just went, what the hell was that about? <laughs> so what we did is we put the song in the set from that from then on, and then we're talking about 1983. There were no mobile phones. There was no internet. There was nothing. Yeah. It was just Bush Telegraph. And we did the, so we did the song right down the east coast of Australia. We flew across to Perth, played Perth, Adelaide, into Melbourne, into Sydney, wherever we played, they did that same chant. And we had no idea. Suddenly we, we realised that this thing was happening. And I love it. I mean, think, you know, that, that song is actually, the subject matter of that song is quite a sad story because it's about somebody that was killed in a car accident. But uh, <laughs> the most inappropriate response of all time. I was going to say, but no one would know that now because it's just been lost in this moment of crowd reaction. Well, you know what? It's Australian larrikin sense of humour and I love it. But how the hell it spread around the country, I have no idea. Wow. None of us do. You know, there's lots of people who claim that they started it. Yeah. But they're, from, they're very likely they're wrong. <laughs> uh, you mentioned before how nice it is to stand on stage now and, and, uh, and play these songs and, and see the crowd reaction to it. It hasn't changed in 48 years, has it? No, it hasn't. And, and it's amazing what range of audience are into the angels. Like when we did Cockatoo Island last Sunday, I'm, I'm told there was over 10,000 people there. And I'm looking down to my left and there would have been a bunch of 10 to 15 young guys. They're all guys. And they're, I would say, around about 20, 21 years of age. Obviously really young. And they sang along with every word. And they were going off. They were jumping up and down. And I'm thinking, wow. Yeah. Oh, well, there's another... There's another five years in the band for just for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. None of us on this podcast at the moment are under the age of sixty. So how do you how old do you feel when you're standing on stage and that moment happens to you, John? Oh yeah, well I'm seventy two years of age and I feel about fifty two and then the uh, next morning I feel like seventy two again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 a pretty good seventy two year old actually. I Pretty. I do a lot of walking. I play golf, and uh, you know, I'm not a fit specimen necessarily, but I'm reasonably fit. Yeah, yeah. Dave Gleason's fitted in really well with the band, John. Um, you know, he sings. He sort of made it his own, but it's sort of 
close enough to the original, but I, I just think he's been the perfect choice for you to um, to fill in for Doc. Yeah, thanks very much for that comment, oh, Brian. Um, I agree a hundred percent. He's he's got a similar. Uh, I'll just have I'll, I'll rephrase all this. People say, "Gee, gee, Dave done a really good job of stick." stepping into Doc's shoes. And my answer to that is, uh, he didn't step into Doc's shoes. He came in his own shoes. Yeah, but yeah, that's I true. will say this. There's a similar timber in his voice to Doc. Uh, he's, he's, he's got an amazing range. I mean, he can sing really high too, but he's got this amazing range in his voice. He's very musical yeah. and he sings us. I mean, he, he grew up with our songs too. He, he was a huge Angels fan. I didn't realise that until we asked him to join. Because when I asked him to join, he said, oh, you've got to be kidding. And I thought that meant I wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, what an honour. He said, I'm in. You know, and so, you know, it's, it's been it, – it, actually, it started off as a happy accident. Rick and I were doing a Brewster Brothers show up in the Adelaide Hills. And Dave lives in Norton Summit, which is very close to – this was in Harndorf, we found this place. And uh, – Dave turned up and he's down the front with a beer in his hand and I looked at Rick and I said, why don't we ask Dave to get up and sing a couple of songs? So I leaned across and I said, hey, Dave, Dave do you know any Angel songs? He said, I know all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, he, he came up and, and we just did one after the other. I looked across at Rick and I went, he's the guy. And it was yeah. actually Rick that came up with that idea originally that Dave Gleason would be the right guy. And I went, oh, really? Yeah. I was I was convinced. No, we love him. He's he's great and he's got an energy. You know, Doc was quite theatrical in his performance. Um, I guess a yeah. p- part and parcel of you know how we studied drama and all that. You know, and he was into Bertolt Brecht and the theatre of expressionism and all. And he was really good at it. You know, um, and Dave adds a sort of a theatrical element too. I sort of call him a cross between a, a dramatic actor and a clown. <laughs> <laughs> he did say to us... He's, he's happy with that. He, God, he, did, he did say to us when he was on the podcast that uh, that he has been... You have had to pull him into line a few times because he does get a little naughty on stage and a little goes off on on the Dave Gleeson tangent. Oh, it's only happened a few times, but, you know, uh, uh, this guy that sings in the Angels suddenly turns into the guy that sings in the Screaming Jets. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like, oh, the Screaming Jets singer turned up last night. Oh, sorry, I won't do that again. <laughs> uh, but, you know what, I mean, I could count those sort of moments on one hand and, and, you know, at the end of the day, he's a great performer. He really is. And the other thing is we've, we've recorded new songs, some of which he's written the lyrics for, and the melody. You know, Rick and I will come up with an idea musically and, and he'll take a melody somewhere. Up. We wouldn't have even come close to singing that melody to what we've recorded. And we just go, wow. And then I've discovered that he's a really good lyricist. But if you look at the Screaming Jets history, there's hardly anything that is attributed to him as a songwriter. And I said, eh. So Dave, what's the story? I said, you know, you're a really good, you're a really good songwriter. Uh, how come you weren't on jet songs? He said, oh, they were very protective. He said. <laughs> oh, there you go. Sure. Hmm. Enough. Now, so anyway, we've given him a bit of an avenue for that, you know. So it's, we still like to record new songs. May that continue for many, many years to come, John. And the and the live thing Thanks. that we uh, we appreciate uh, spending some time with you, mate. It's been fantastic. Oh, I really enjoyed it too, guys. Yep. Brian, thanks a lot. No worries. Time we caught up, Brian. I think I, was, I think I saw you at that sad event a year ago for Michael 
Michael's uh, 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 memorial, State he, Memorial. Mm, that's so sad. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. And now, of course, Glenn Wheatley, Glenn is a good friend of ours as well. And yeah. But, uh, that's life, isn't it? We lose people. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I shouldn't talk about that. That's sad stuff. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. but you're right, it is part of life too. Hey, John, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, all the best for the future, mate, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully catch up again soon. Yeah, yeah, great to talk to you guys. Keep on rocking, John. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. This is it, folks. the Angels uh, and uh, the many more stories to tell. It's been fantastic. We've had Dave Gleeson on, obviously, a previous episode of this show, and now yep. uh, now John Brewster. So uh, it's it's great. They are one of the great bands. One oh. of the great bands. Yeah, they're chugging along very, very nicely. And, 
you know, still great live act and um, still making records. So yep. good on them. Yep, absolutely. Now let's talk to a man who is also still making records, uh, even yes. though the one we're going to talk to him about because I love that song. Rock and Roller yes. gave you the best years of my life. I reckon it's one of the great songs. It was a very uh, song early in my radio career that I, I fell in love with and loved playing on the radio. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's got a new album out, uh, which is called Classics, which is oh. includes this song and a whole lot of other great songs he's done, and a couple of newies, and we'll play you one of the newies uh, called In Another Time, In Another Place uh, during this interview. Uh, but let's start by having a listen to the song. That okay. Is that is what we've been talking about. I love this song. Well, just let me say this. Do you know what, for those of you that listen to rock and roll, do you know what Finey's man in the $2 shop would call this segment? I don't know. <laughs> he would call it, I love that song. I love that song. You speak very good. Thank you. you got a lovely voice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> Let's have a listen to Kevin Johnson and this great classic song, Rock and Roll, I Gave You the Best Years of My Life. Okay. I can still remember when I bought my first guitar. Remember just how good the feeling was. Put it proudly in my car. And my family listened 50 times to my two song repertoire. And I told my mum her only son was gonna be a star. Bought all the beating records. Sounded just like more Bought all the old Chuck Berry's 78s and all And I sat by my record player Playing every note they played And I watched them all on TV Making every move they made Rock and roll I gave you All the best years of my life All the dreamy sunny Sundays All the moonlit summer nights Writing love songs to you while you were changing your direction Never even that I was always this one step behind you Sixty-six seemed like the year I was really going somewhere We were living in San Francisco with flowers in our head Singing songs of kindness so the world would understand That the guys and me were something more than just another band And then 69 and LA came around so soon We were really making headway And riding lots of tunes And we must have played the wildest stuff we had ever played The way the crowds cried out for us Someone else's band And she came up to me later Took a 
her by the hand And I told her all my troubles And she seemed to understand And she followed me through London Through a hundred hotels Through a hundred record companies Who didn't like my tune She followed me when Finally I sold my old guitar And she tried to help me understand Never be a star Rock and roll, can I ask you a little bit about uh, rock and roll? I gave you all the best years of my life. Um, I wonder whether, is that an autobiographical lyric or is it just a story that you thought of or how did the lyric come about? first part of it would be true, buying the first guitar and all of that, driving the family insane. <laughs> and uh, that, that was all true. But then after I, I got into the song, well, from there on, it sort of become a bit of a comment on music generally you know, where the passions were and, and everybody trying to emulate those those things. So it's a combination of uh, some of it is uh, 100% true and then after that uh, it's more of an observation of uh, people who uh, sort of follow the trends rather than uh, try to set the trends and, uh, you know, it's a combination of many observations. Well, it may, I reckon it'd make a great book or a great movie, to mm. be honest. Um, it's, um, it would translate well to uh, literature or film, I think. It's just a, it's a terrific story and you have a real economy of words with it because you um, it's a pretty big story that you tell, but um, you, yeah, it's yeah. like a novel in, in a three-minute song, which is a really, really good <laughs> effort, I think. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yes, uh, it was... Uh it was one of those things. Uh, I didn't. Uh, sometimes some songs I spent months finishing off, uh, and that one I wrote in a couple of days. Um, so it sort of flowed, and, and um, you know, I guess uh, that's the way it is. You never know which way they're going to go when you start them. You know. That one's yeah. starting a car. You were driving in your car or something, and it came to you. Well, what what came to you first, the the melody or the or the did the words start to pour out of you? Uh, I was driving the car, and I remember exactly where it was. I was going. To uh, Mossman, I think, in uh, in Sydney and driving hands to the Northern Beaches. And uh, I got the idea of giving someone the best years of my life uh, as being a great idea for a song. And then as I thought a little bit more, I thought I'd make it closer to the truth, which was the pursuit of success in the, uh, in this case, the rock and roll or music side of things. And so that's how it, how it came about. That's how the idea first came and how I went on from there. Been a lot of covers of it. I mean, Mac Davis obviously would be the one that everyone talks about because that was the, the 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 hit version in America. Uh, even though he changed yeah. he changed the lyrics and made himself look a lot better in it than how you portrayed, <laughs> had you portrayed yourself in the first original version. Yes, yes, he did change it. Um, I wasn't sure that it was a good idea, but uh, but he he did, and he had uh, big success with it. So uh, I can forgive him for that because I. I got a lot of the royalties. So. <laughs> <It's amazing. laughs> you can overlook things when you have to. You yeah. but, uh, Terry Jacks did it in uh, in in Canada. He obviously massively famous for Seasons in the Sun, and that was on that Seasons yeah, in the Sun yeah. album. But there was a French yeah. version, an Icelandic version, uh, and, and and wait for it, everybody, a Gary Glitter version. 
Wow. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I actually uh, met Gary uh, about the same time after he came to Australia and we got photos with ourselves. I don't show too many people the photos now, but, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, he... he, he um, uh, he did a good version of it. Uh, there were a lot of versions. Yeah, there was uh, Jada's fan was French, and um, you know, uh, oh, I, I've forgotten half the versions, but um, there were a lot of them. Yes, and uh, the cats possibly, if I had to pick my favourite version of it, the cats in uh, in uh, Holland, uh, the Netherlands. That was a great version, very good version, and they got number one, I think. And in fact, it's been going up ever since. It comes up in the uh, top 100 songs every year for the last, I don't know how long, but uh, ever since those days. Uh, wow. It was a big version, yeah. You've had your songs covered by, you know, heaps and heaps of people. One of the songs on the on the Classics album is a song that Tom Jones did a version of. That's right, The Woman Who Took My Life. And um, we, uh, it was a, an early song and I... We'd just moved to Sydney, and uh, I released it as a single, and it was picked up straight away by Decker in, in England, and they released it over there as a single, and so that's how Tom Jones uh, come to hear it, and um, he recorded and did a very good version of it as well, so uh, that was, it was very good. In fact, uh, when I heard about him doing it, my wife and I went out and had a big uh, flash dinner that night, I think it was cappuccino and, and toasted sandwiches, that's about the limit of our knowledge in the, in the, ga- the gastronomical field at that time. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a good one, yeah. One bloke who, who covered a song of yours, and I haven't been able to find what song he covered, but Harry Chapin did one of your songs? No, uh, Harry Chapin, I think it's just played. He did a program on the BBC, and uh, he was to present his 10 favourite songs of all time. Oh. And uh, rock and roll, he played it as number six, the favourite song of all time. So uh, wow. that's how he, he got lumped in that thing. He didn't actually record it, but uh, oh, okay. he played it and, uh, and and he added up there with the Beatles, and uh, it, which was a great better than the cat, yeah. Wow, yeah, that is yeah. that is terrific. Hey, uh, the Bonnie, yeah. please don't goes on this new uh, album as well, and uh, I, I can't believe uh, that it's the first time it's ever been released in stereo. Yes, well, when we re- first recorded it, we did it at uh, United Sound in uh, Piedmont, I think, and on the night uh, uh, there'd been a bit of schmozzle uh, going on, and then we suddenly re-recorded the whole thing using Fraternity, who was uh, the band with Von um, Scott's first band and uh, uh, they were in the studio so they, they did the backing track and uh, we finally ripped it out and I don't think we I can't remember whether we because uh, uh, <laughs> it was late very late at night three nights in a row and uh, uh, I can't remember whether we did a stereo version or not but there was a guy called um, I'm just trying to think of his name uh, and he got hold of it and I think he got hold of some version in the in uh, New Zealand, I think he said, um, and it was it was in stereo, and somehow he got to it with his own computer. He must have been a bit of a whiz on computer, I think, and he did a stereo version of it, and uh, a very good job he did. His name is Tom Wynn, and uh, I don't know that much about him, but he did send it to me some time ago on a uh, 
on a CD and said, uh, what do you think of this? And I said, great. So that's how we've come to use it. Okay. It, it, it is certainly not a, a lot different than the mono version, which was the only one that was around for all those years. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Hey, uh, the the inspiration for that song is is kind of interesting. If it if it's a myth or if it's if it's true, and I'd I'd love you to tell us if it is true. Uh, inspired by the television show of the time. Uh, yes. Well, um, I, I tell a joke. I say I made a big deal about my wife going for a trip on the Manly Ferry, but uh, uh, the fact was I was watching uh, a thing called Petticoat Junction, and they had a. Uh, somebody was leaving the town and they, you know, the small Midwestern American town and they had this dreadful band there playing Auld Lang Syne as they were leaving on, on the train. And I thought that was a good idea. It was very atmospheric, I thought. So I, uh, I fashioned it all around that and, um, and that's how it came about. Wow. Yeah, Petticoat Junction inspired a lot of teenagers in the, in the 60s, but I don't think it was to write songs about uh, leaving on a boat. <laughs> in fact, uh, the title is quite funny. My wife, Jill, and I come from Rockhampton, and um, I used to play in different hotels there before I joined the band playing all the Beatles songs. And uh, uh, there was a woman there at this particularly dreadful hotel, and she used to be like the drunk every night, absolutely rotten out of her mind. And one night I was just finished playing uh, 18 Yellow Roses or something. She'd become overcome with emotion. I was sitting on a stool when I was doing it. She came, ran up on the stage, threw her arms around me, and we both crashed over backwards onto the stage. And, and of course, spit running out of her mouth all over me. And uh, her name was Bonnie. And, and, and when I finished the song, my wife said, why don't you... It's a nice Scottish name. Why don't you call it Bonnie? So that's how that's not a, not a very romantic concept of the song writing, but that's no, how it happened. No, but but you should. Can you turn that into a, a you know throwing undies at you on stage or you know bras or something, Kev? You need to work on that one, I reckon. I'm just surprised. unfortunately mine were mine were mostly rotten tomatoes, so I won't go further than that. But uh, if I could just jump in there, Brian, uh, I must compliment you on the a show we saw you in a few years ago, um, uh, John English's Paris. Paris. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that was a great performance. Uh, my wife and I, Jill and I, come down from Sydney to see it because our son Scott Johnston was in it. He was playing uh, the John English uh, role of... Um, uh, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, Hector. Hector. He oh, plays yeah, the part yeah. of Hector. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, um, terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great show, a great show, and uh, you were great in it. So congratulations on that. Uh, oh, thank great. you very much. I was just wondering, uh, since you got inspired by uh, Petticoat Junction, um, <laughs> why there was no song about there's Uncle Joe and he's moving kind of slow at the junction. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well... The mind boggles as to what directions you can go in, but uh, uh, it was uh, something that was on in the middle of the day, and at the time I was uh, sort of home all the day, most of the day, and uh, just happened to see it. And it, it was a, it was a moment that sort of worked. I turned it into the boat situation, of course, because that was more traditional with the people leaving, and um, so uh, that's where we went from there. So, oh. Well, well done. Very good. So work, working yeah. on that basis, it might be that uh, your, your Shaney Boy song mightn't be about your son at all. It might be about the pig in Green Acres. 
<laughs> no, it is about it, my son. The two songs on the Shady Boy and Scotty about when they were y- uh, much, much younger, of course, uh, two or three years of age. And, uh, and they've been successful songs for me uh, overseas, especially. Um, and uh, so they were obviously um, uh, vital to put in this collection. Yeah. There's a lovely new song on it called Another Time, Another Place, Kev. Tell us about that one. Yeah. Well, that's a, the single that's out at the moment, In Another Time and Another Place. Uh, it's a, a song I just uh, wrote a, f- a couple of years ago, and um, I always liked the songs of the 30s, where they were very short and very um, concise, and they got to the point in saying a few words, they tried to say quite a few things. And this is one of those songs, I thought it was a 30s-type song, and it's very short, as you know. And uh, that's what I tried to um, create when I when I wrote it. Yeah. It creates a lovely visual. You just kind of get a – it's sort of like an English countryside and, uh, you know, a, a couple walking uh, up the hill or something. It's just got a lovely sort of visual picture about it, the, the feel that you've got with that song. Yeah, thank you very much, yes. Uh, yeah, it, um, it worked out uh, the way uh, sometimes with uh, songs you, you write them, but when you record them they don't quite – capture what what you were trying to do and uh, and in this particular case I think we did capture uh, what we were after yeah in these times I've never been at ease in these times I was always hoping I'd find these times might start changing your mind In this place I've never felt at home In this place It's the only place That I recall Where things so unkindly Only serve to remind me That to you I mean Nothing at all But in another time In another place In some other circumstance Would that still be the case In another world With another star Could you ever find a place for me In your heart In our lives We see so many changes go by Hardly comes as any surprise The changes they make to our lives In our lives Nothing's ever certain at all Nothing stays the same as I recall That keeps me going When I'm going on home To you I mean nothing at all But in another time In another place In some other circumstance Would that still be the case In another world With another star Could you ever find a place for me 
Hey, the AFL experience, doing changing rock and roll, I gave you all the best years of my life into the AFL song for the centenary celebrations. How did that all kind yeah. of come to pass? Well, they, they approached me, um, Ross Oakley, I think it was the guy running the show then, and I uh, wanted to do it. And uh, I didn't know much about AFL, and um, I was a little reticent at the start. I didn't want to change the uh, the song because uh, a lot of people <laughs> criticised me when I did, and I knew that would happen. So, um, And especially overseas, the AFL wouldn't be so known over there, but Anyway, they kept uh, persevering, and um, and eventually I uh, I went along with it, and it was a good experience. They were great people to work with, the AFL, and um, so I, I did it, and uh, then I did you know the big uh, football crowds around the country doing the song, uh, and uh, it was a good experience. Yeah. Good, good, good. Now the the classics comes out as a I think it's out today or tomorrow as a as a CD, and then yeah. you got to, you're going to do a vinyl version of it as well, which I know is something that Brian's really keen on. Uh, everyone doing vinyl versions. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, the vinyl version will be out about the first week of uh, April, I think. It, it should have been out at the same time now, but uh, there was a delay because of COVID, and everything was put back and put back and put back, and. Uh, and that's the problem. So, but anyway, the vinyl will be out in the first week of April, and the uh, and the CD comes out today, sort of thing. So, uh, that's that's the plan. Yeah. Now, I believe of uh, little birdies told me that uh, during COVID, you've been busy not only writing songs and doing bits and pieces, but you've written a novel. Now, Brian mentioned that rock and roll would probably have turned into a lovely story uh, of that description. What's the what's the novel? Well, the novel has nothing to do with music. As oh. I said, jokingly to a few people, I tried that and it didn't work, so I'm going <laughs> in another direction. <laughs> now, it's a novel totally unrelated to music. It's just a story, um, a novel loosely described as mystery or mysterious or whatever, but um, that's, that's it. So now we're working on the, uh, the publishing side of getting it published. Well, none of these things become easier or yep. as time goes on. You know, it's like the music business. Uh, yeah. Some could say that hasn't become any better over the years, but um, uh, that's the way it is. But, um, you know, each, each uh, uh, pursuit brings on its own uh, headache, shall we say, in the early stages anyway. So that's what we're working on at the moment, yes. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Kev, it's been terrific to catch up with you, mate. Good luck with the classics. And uh, that song, Rock and Roll, I Gave You the Best Years of My Life, is just such a, a massive song. Uh, my first year in radio was 1973 and we played it to death and uh, I loved playing it to death. It's just such a an endearing song that has, that has actually lasted uh, for just on 50 years and still going strong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me it still picks up. Every time you go to YouTube, you'll see all these different versions of people that have done hundreds and people that have done versions of it. And, uh, so it, it certainly kept going and its appeal has kept going. And uh, so uh, it, that's good. Um, it, it, one never knows when you write something, you always think it's going to do something. But <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, most of the time it doesn't. But um, on this particular occasion, it did. And uh, so, um, you know. That's good. Thank you very much for, for liking it. You're doing any live uh, live stuff these days or not? Uh, I haven't for a few years done any live stuff, not because uh, I didn't intend to. It's just that uh, the COVID thing come along and yeah. uh, 
you'd have to be stark raving mad, I suppose, to uh, embark on a tour which would probably be cancelled the night before or something. You know, I mean, I've known quite a number of people who who have booked tours and there's been a, like a schmozzle, you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's too much expense involved in setting up tours uh, to um, to do it and then have to cancel it all. You know, so. Uh, yeah, that's no fun. But, that's, um, not, that's not what you got in the biz to do. So, see, if it's no fun, don't do it. No, exactly. No, no. Well, that's, a, that's a, why I guess I was sitting at home writing a book. I was intended to write a book, but um, and uh, I forgot to mention the title was um, uh, Deep Decisions, Deep Decisions. But oh. um, anyway, uh, I... Um, I haven't uh, given up the idea of uh, live performance. It's just that um, uh, we'll wait until, uh, you know, it becomes a little bit more settled. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having a chat to us, Kevin. Really appreciate it, mate. Uh, good health and happiness to you. Thanks, Kev. Thank you very much. It's been great to talk to you. All right, Kevin Johnson, uh, terrific to catch up with him and have a chat. And uh, I love that song, Rock and Roll, I Gave You the Best Years of My Life, one of the one of the great songs. All right, Brian, that's it for another edition. Uh, we've got plenty more coming up, though, I, I must admit, and we'll get to that in a tick. But I want to mention to everyone about Mercot's Driving Excellence. Mm. They are the people to speak to. Mercot's.edu.au is the website. And, of course, that telephone number, Brian? Uh, 1300 576 Kev. See? Ingrained, ingrained in his psyche as it is, and if you now, uh, if you want to be a better driver, they're the people to talk to. Kev, I, th- I think I know the answer to this, but I will just check. They've got branches all around Australia, haven't they? They have. Jump, okay. Well, jump on the I'll website. I'll tell you what, the Gold Coast branch must be very, <laughs> very busy or very unbusy. There's a lot of potential... Uh, clients from Mercotts are driving around here up I on the Gold Coast. I warned you about Queensland drivers. Yeah, well, they're in, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Get them down to Mercon. one 576 Exactly. Uh, now, that's uh, that's it for another edition of uh, this uh, Rock and Roll. I want to remind you about Kevin's album, uh, Classics, is available, so uh, jump on possumrecords.com.au and check that out. Uh, got uh, that great new song we heard in there too, In Another Time, In Another Place. And, of course, the Angels will be coming to a venue near you very, very soon. Go and see them. If you haven't seen them for a long time, Go and see him. Dave Gleeson rocks. And if, and if you want to call the Angels and book in for a rock out, you call 1300. I know I'm making that up. <laughs> uh, and uh, you uh, look after yourself, you little ravaged, COVID ravaged rock star. Yeah, I think I'm, the worst is over because I'm I'm pacing while I'm on the phone, which is always a good sign. All right. So the next yeah. step, Shane Howard from Goanna. They've uh, they got back together again to do those gigs with um, Midnight Oil. Uh, they're finished, but now they've decided that they're going to go back on the road and do a 40th anniversary tour because this year, sort of literally as we speak now, 40 years ago, they were recording um, Spirit of Place. Yeah, great album. Uh, an important album. Yeah, very um, much so. An important song and um, Shane's a lovely bloke in that, you know, he's very down to earth and um, but he's really smart too, I reckon. And yeah, he um is. I really enjoyed our chat with him. I thought it was great. Yep. So we'll bring that to you on the next episode of Life of Brian. Uh, Shane Howard and our I Love That Song. Yes. It's a song that is a song that you have performed on stage at a, uh, a 3XY oh. chart. Yes, show I know. that you did. Yes, this is a great song. Oh, it is an absolute ripper. And it's an overseas act? Yes. it's uh, We're going to England. Oh, to the UK. fantastic. Yeah, um, so has Murcott's got a... Um, an office in London. 
No, why? Were you going to go over and give some lessons over there, were you? Well, I don't know, you know, they could probably do with a, you know, they could be a better driver than what they are. Absolutely. Should send Mark over there with his uh, instruction manuals. Fix them right up. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, just to remind him, Murko, it's one three hundred five 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 seven six. Thank you, Brian. Look after yourself. Stop counting. Thank you, do, just go into the back room there and count your money and uh, come back and see me in a couple of weeks. Oh, no, I'm going to spend all the money <laughs> very shortly. But just, just quickly before I go, mm-hmm. I've been sort of um, squatting with Lucky Phil and our mate P.O. came over the other day. One of us ended up bleeding. Guess who it was? You. No, it wasn't me. No, that's impossible. Fan- fantastic. Yeah, the curse is over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, you've broken the uh, the bleeding curse. Now you picked up the COVID curse. Well, oh, well. one only one curse at a time. Yeah. I can't multitask. But uh, yeah, swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. All right, exactly right. Take care. See you soon. Thanks, Kev. Red Jack. Stop it. I'm tired. It's okay.